Welcome to the Pittsburgh Current Podcast. I am associate publisher Bethany Rue. Welcome to beautiful downtown Beachview, Sorgatron Media, where everybody's mad about a traffic light, according to my neighborhood Facebook group. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, neighborhood Facebook groups, the most entertaining thing aside from this podcast that you will have on Facebook. Um, So again, welcome. It's Thursday. We are coming up to Labor Day weekend. I hope you have plans that include picnicking, hot dogs, swimming, something with family and friends. It's a wonderful long weekend, hopefully for all of you, except for people that work in the restaurant industry or retail, which case, sorry about that. Um, I hope you find time to enjoy yourself. I want to take a quick second to thank everybody who helped us with our Rob Rogers Bring Back Brood on Grant Kickstarter. We got fully funded and we could not have done it if it wasn't for you. Seriously, that's how the system works. That's how Kickstarter is. Like we needed all of you and you showed up. Thank you for supporting independent media. Thank you for supporting editorial and political cartooning. It means the world to us. I know it means the world to Rob. We're planning a great event to celebrate. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, and make sure you keep your eyes peeled next Tuesday when our new issue hits the stands. Right now, you can still pick up our football preview issue, which isn't just Steelers. We also have uh, high school and college stuff in there. So pick it up. Give it a read. It's always great. Our new columnist, Gabinessa's in there. Kiernan Young's in there. Lots of reasons to pick it up and read it. We are here today to talk about an upcoming event, uh, which I... Um, <clears throat> I've known about this event for probably two or three years. Uh, my friend Scott Fleming is a part of it. And I think this is a wonderful time to be talking about this. It's the Pittsburgh Recovery Walk, and I'm going to introduce my guests for today, let them introduce themselves, and we're going to get into it. I'm here today with Kyle Harder, who is the Director of Business Development with Gateway Rehab, and Jessica Williams. I'm sorry, I have to read this. (laughs) It's a title. (laughs) She's the Director of Communications for the Institute for Research, Education, and Training in Addictions. Guys, welcome. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Um, And also, can you... Can you cue on the uh, sushi socks, Kyle? I, I feel like this is the first time I've met Kyle, but I feel like he gets me because he wore <laughs> he wore sushi socks for our podcast. Um, guys, take a minute, Kyle. Start with you. Introduce yourselves, and then we'll we'll get into talking about why you guys are here. Sure. Uh, my name's Kyle Hart. I work at uh, Gateway Rehab, uh, director of business development. So I work on everything from social media and the website to our referring partners, hospitals, doctors, therapists. Uh, I help to get people into treatment. So kind of a lot of different things. Um, Gateway's been around since uh, 1972, founded by Dr. Twersky. Uh, we have inpatient, we have outpatient, we have halfway houses, pretty much a full continuum. So uh, it's a great organization. I, you know, I, I really enjoy working for them. Um, I've been kind of in the social service arena in Pittsburgh since uh, probably early 90s, working a lot with uh, adolescents and juvenile justice. And the last few years, kind of getting into the field of addiction. And Jessica? Uh, <clears throat> I work at the Institute for Research, Education, and Training in Addictions, which we call IRETA um, for obvious reasons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm the director of communication there. And uh, that means, like Kyle, I wear a lot of different hats. But the goal of our organization is to help people get evidence-based services for um, 
addiction prevention, intervention, treatment, and recovery support. Um, so those services should be readily available and they should be high quality. And in some cases they're not. So we work with uh, rehabs like Gateway, health services, uh, health providers that want to do a better job of screening and intervening with their patients. And uh, also the criminal justice system where obviously there's a lot of addiction um, and questions about how to treat it. Uh, I'm also, along with Kyle here, on the Pittsburgh Recovery Walk Steering Committee. And so um, we're going into our fourth year with the Pittsburgh Recovery Walk. And we were just talking. And it sounds like Kyle, I thought Kyle was here since the very beginning. It seems like he's, <laughs> he's just here. He's one of those kind of people exactly. who just feels like he's always yeah. here. How do we ever do it without Kyle? Um, That's probably better. So, uh, and there's a lot of different organizations, um, both uh, treatment providers, um, people in recovery, uh, and then county services. And also, I can't not mention City Council President Bruce Krause, who is in recovery himself, and this is really close to his heart. Um, and then I'll also mention that I'm a person in long-term recovery, and so this event can't help but be close to my heart as well. Yeah, and so the, the Pittsburgh Recovery Walk um, is coming up September 14th, mm -hmm. right? There's still plenty of time to register, and we'll have the, the, the link and everything in there. Um, one of the things that I really like about what you guys are doing is the focus on the positivity. I mean, a lot of times you, know, you get this doom and gloom, you hear the bad stuff on the news all the time, but this really focuses on the positive outcomes of addiction. And it's weird to say that, right? But you could have positive outcomes. Um, but let, let's talk for a second how we got, how we get there. What What is sort of a, a, a 10,000 foot view of Western Pennsylvania in terms of where we are now and, and you know, is addiction still a growing issue? Is it is it sort of you know crawling back? What what do we look like as an area? Well, I mean, the, probably the best, the most complete data we have is from 2017 uh, for the country. And uh, Ohio, West Virginia, and Pennsylvania are really the top three as far as overdose deaths in the country. Uh, West Virginia being first, uh, Ohio, then Pennsylvania. Um, so it's it's a huge problem in our area. Um, opioids have always been a problem, um, but drug overdose dose deaths in general have been a huge problem in our area, and, and they continue to be. Now, last year in Allegheny County, we saw uh, about a 40% drop in overdose deaths, which was huge, and uh, in Pennsylvania, we saw a little bit of a drop. Uh, the CDC says in the U.S. in general, we saw a very small drop in overdose deaths, which is really the first year that it has not gone up, so still a huge problem. But uh, last year we saw a little bit of promise. And I'll just add that um, obviously there's so much conversation about opioids and our region has been so hard hit. Um, uh, but that, of course, there's other drugs that people struggle with mm -hmm. um, regionally and nationally. So um, our alcohol use rates are somewhat higher than the rest of the nation. Um, and then a lot of other drug use is regional. And so uh, we don't see as much meth as the West Coast or the Southeast for or the Southwest, for example. Um but there's really no area of the country that is not unaffected by addiction. So yeah, and interesting. You know, while we're seeing a little bit of a drop in our overdose deaths uh, out west, they're seeing somewhat of an increase. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the fentanyl is making it making its way out west, uh, mixed in with cocaine and different things. So they're kind of seeing more, while we're seeing just a, a small bit less. No, it's obvious. It's a big news story right now, right? This giant settlement that's being negotiated between all these pharma companies. Um, I think that the uh, Sackler families, Purdue Pharma, is probably most of the news because they're privately owned and they developed and marketed OxyContin, which, I mean, I, I, if if 
if you hear a drug name bandied about when it comes to addiction and the causes behind it, that's the one that gets the most, I think, play. Um, do you think that these drug companies were, were, you know, sort of, are they, are they sort of responsible for what's happening? And do you think that this kind of accountability and these kind of lawsuits, do you think long-term they'll have an impact on, on how you see addiction? I, I mean, I, in my mind, in my opinion, there's, there's no doubt that prescription drugs uh, were what started this epidemic. Uh, the heroin trade really followed where the, the drugs are being prescribed. Um, there was clearly misinformation given to doctors, um, marketing that was, was paid to tell people that these were not addictive drugs. Um, so in my opinion, uh, you, know, you know, they do bear some responsibility. Now, whether the money will be enough... I mean, the issue is really, really the public sector has borne the cost of these, you know, of treatment and, and the cost of this epidemic. So, you know, I think it's fair that the private companies who have helped to start some of this epidemic do bear some of the, the cost for it. I mean, you can't bring people's lives back, unfortunately. You know, people's lives, families, you know, have been uh, irrevocably changed because of this. But Do you think that if they stop flooding the market, Jessica, that it'll have a long-term impact? I mean, do you think you'll see less people maybe getting, you know, I mean, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe talk about the chain for a second, right? I mean, a lot of times what we hear, what I think is common knowledge is, or at least common acknowledgement, is that it starts with a prescription for pain medication, then you get addicted to that, and then it, it you, you know, then that kind of is your gateway into harder drugs. I mean, is that, I mean, obviously it's not everybody's experience, but is that a typical? So, um, so, again, for the most part, it seems like we're talking about opioids, which is not everybody's addiction story. In fact, alcohol causes more harm um, and more deaths nationally in the United States. Um, uh, and there is some evidence that the story of um, sort of like your drug-naive teen that gets prescribed opioids for a sports injury or for wisdom teeth um, and then follows this dark path. Of course, there's all sorts of stories. Every story is individual. Um, but that really, in a lot of cases, what preceded that was other substance use. Um, as far as the culpability of um, uh, Big Pharma and these particular families, uh, it seems to me like uh, people should be held responsible for the decisions that they made. And it sounds like there were... in boardrooms conversations about this long before there was ever public acknowledgement of it. Uh, but as a community, as a society, I think this is a reckoning for all of us. And uh, the certain questions about how have we treated people with addiction? Have we offered harm reduction services? In Pennsylvania, the answer is largely no. Um, have we made available treatment for addiction and for co-occurring mental health uh, services? And have we provided any services or help for families? And so... In some ways, these are opportunities to talk about ways we've fallen short for a long time. And uh, Sackler money is not going to be the only solution to that. It's mm -hmm. kind of a, it's an <clears throat> all of us kind of issue. Well, I mean, you bring up a good point. Yes, yeah, so we were talking about opioids because, you know, the Sackler story, all that's in the right. news. But, you know, and, and I, I think maybe in some ways alcohol might actually be harder to treat because it is a socially acceptable legal substance, right? So how how do you even begin to... To, to peel that back uh, mm -hmm. and what's what's where's the line between somebody that's just you know going out and being a social drinker and addiction and is it harder in a lot of ways because it is legal and acceptable uh, well I feel like the 
there's a lot that's really positive that's happening right now that I think the recovery walk is really tapping into. Um, and so you can see um, like the sober curious mov movement on social media, um, people that are kind of wanting to be more thoughtful about their relationship with alcohol. Um, and I feel as a millennial, I'm a late millennial, I'm an old millennial, but I'm a millennial. <laughs> um, I can't touch millennials. Yeah, yeah millennials, am I right? <laughs> Uh, but I think that uh, there's this kind of like overall very exciting push for us to talk about things that were previously pushed under the rug. And so we're going to talk about our sexuality, we're going to talk about our mental health issues, and we're going to talk about our struggles with drugs and alcohol. Um, and through that, we're going to share with each other our experiences and, and teach one another. Um, so alcohol is like, of course, it's caused all sorts of damage in American society and it's not going to stop, but we're, we get to have conversations, which I think is so mm -hmm. liberating. It is. And you, they have a what, sober September where mm -hmm. people uh, look about giving up alcohol for a month. I mean, no matter whether you feel like you're addicted to alcohol or not, alcohol is not a very healthy substance. <laughs> uh -oh. I mean, it, yeah. it can be very damaging, mm -hmm. uh, just even physically, not to mention emotionally, uh, mentally with your relationships. Um, and it, I, I think it's a larger, even cultural discussion about, you know, you know, what we teach our kids about mind-altering substances. You know, do you need something? You know, I think mm -hmm. kind of now it's kind of assumed, well, with, especially with marijuana becoming legal, like, well, it's not as bad as alcohol. So you're going to do something. So pick one. You eat marijuana or alcohol. <laughs> it's you know? like we don't have a choice, right? Yeah, like right? we're going to do something mind-altering. So that's kind of, you know, what are the messages we're giving our kids that, you know, do you have to take something mind-altering? Can you be, um, can you never try drugs or alcohol? So, you know, I think like Jess said, these these are conversations that I think we're all having. And alcohol is tough because it's everywhere, you know, yeah. especially even in work situations. Um, you know, it's prevalent. Holiday parties, different things like that. So I, when I was pregnant with my youngest son, I remember I worked in uh, corporate America and I was out with my sales team and I literally had to pretend to be drinking because I hadn't told anybody <laughs> I was pregnant yet. Right. And they were so, the, the pressure was on to have, oh, why aren't you drinking? Have a drink, have a drink. And so I literally told the bartender, like, listen, I'm pregnant. Just give me a caffeine-free Diet Pepsi in a rocks glass so it looks like an alcoholic drink. Yeah. And even at that time, I'm like, well, I cannot believe I have to do this. But that's the kind of pressure that's out there. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm in long-term recovery myself. And uh, and I haven't uh, used alcohol or drugs in, in quite a while. And uh, it's, you just, after a while, people get used to it. But, like, if you're pregnant... And it's the first thing people notice. Like, oh, I'm just right. going to start telling people I've been pregnant for five years. So. <laughs> <laughs> just, I guess you couldn't really use that excuse, Kyle. Sorry. No, I tried. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm pregnant. Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> made a very scientific movie about uh, males being pregnant. I forget it was, it was basically called. a documentary. Yeah, <laughs> what was that called? Well, Twins? No, no you can look that, that up. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. Like, come on, you should know that. <laughs> Junior? Junior, Junior maybe, like yeah. 1994, oh, yeah. circa. That's There's, why I'm not a millennial, because I can bring yeah, up yeah, exactly. a Schwarzenegger yeah. movie from like the 90s. like the year that Jessica was born, yeah. basically. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess, just a reminder to everybody, we are on Facebook Live, so if you have any questions about the recovery walk or anything that we're talking about, feel free to drop it in the comments, either myself or Mike will pick it up and ask it for you guys. Or if you know the name of that movie. Or if you, yeah, or if you want to fact check our Schwarzenegger trivia yeah, knowledge. Yeah, questions yeah. about male Junior, pregnancy. Yeah, questions about male pregnancies. Arnold and Danny DeVito. <laughs> 1994. You had the year right and everything. Wow. What? Get out of here. Like, okay, I know you don't drink, but could you get a bar trivia with me? <laughs> I feel like you'd be a ringer. <laughs> we could just sit there and drink club soda all night, I swear. Um, so talk to me. Okay, so getting into the recovery walk, yes. which like I said, this is 
you know, I we could talk about the the doom and the gloom and the statistics all day, but there is hope and positivity, and this walk really emulates that. Talk to me about how this came to be, and why it came to be, and and we'll we'll dive into the specifics about this year's. Shall Take I? it away. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, so I um, I work at a nonprofit called Iretta, and um, uh, we have worked with Bruce Krause, the city council president, on a couple different projects, and we exposed him just through casual conversation to this sort of national recovery movement. And uh, I think what really kind of got him going is that we told him that Philadelphia has been doing a recovery walk for 25 years, and they get tens of thousands of people. Um, and Bruce Krause, uh, that wouldn't stand. <laughs> <laughs> Philadelphia is doing it. We have to do it and exactly. do it better. Yeah. Yes. Um, so by some measures, Pittsburgh is maybe a little late to the, the recovery movement, to these public recovery celebrations. Um, but we really put a lot of gusto behind it when we got started. And so that was the first year we did it was in 2016. Um, and it's really, I mean, it's a total volunteer community effort. Uh, and it's really just because organizations um, and individuals are believe in this and are willing to dedicate their time to it. Uh, it grows every year. I think the first year we had about a thousand people. Last year we had over 2,000. Um, and uh, we've always had a kind of a value that it should be totally free. Um, and so uh, families, kind of whoever wants to show up and partake has always been welcome. And that's the way the walk will be going forward. Yeah, it's by far my favorite event of the year. I mean, I, outside in my job, outside of helping somebody get into treatment, it's it's the favorite part of my job is being on the steering committee. Uh, first year I got involved, I mean, I just fell in love with it because I mean, one of the things I really like is that it's it's it involves everybody. I don't, you know, you don't have to have my definition of recovery. Um, no one's going to check you at the door and ask you what you're recovering from, how you recovered. There's no litmus test. Uh, you don't even have to be in recovery. You can just come. You know, I think that atmosphere of just celebration and involving everybody uh, is—it's just a great atmosphere. It's—it's it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, there's there's people obviously that come that have lost loved ones. Uh, so for them, maybe it's a little bittersweet, but it, you know, I, we can all come together. You know, and show the city of Pittsburgh um, what recovery is all about. There's so much stigma yeah. involved with addiction that this, well, yeah, you know, this is something that can help tear that down. Yeah. You, you guys obviously work with people that are in recovery every day. I mean, is it, do you find that it's helpful for them to be around like-minded people or people that have shared experiences? And do you feel like, I, cause I feel like we've made some progress in breaking down that stigma in a way. Um, and unfortunately it might be because there's so many people in recovery, but do you feel like the less stigmatized it becomes, the easier it is for people to take that path? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, people see, you look, you look on your Facebook page or the comments on a news article, you can see some of the horrible things that people say about people in addiction. And uh, you know, people read that. You know, who wants to stand up and say, yeah, that uh, person you said is a scumbag, uh, that's me, yeah. you know, and I need some help. Nobody wants to do that. Yeah, but so you see, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Well, I just think, like, you see people at the recovery walk saying naloxone saved my life, um, saying like they send these messages that people who use drugs, people with addiction um, mm. are willing to talk about this and totally worthwhile, which is so different than the messages that you can oh, see yeah. on social they, media. That they have a value in society. Yeah. Uh -huh. You know, society kind of tells people that are addicted that they don't really have much of a value. They made a poor choice it's and let them, it's their fault and let them be. And mm. uh, we want to bring them back into society. We don't want to push them 
to the outskirts of society. I think something that is a hot button issue for a lot of people is Narcan, right? Am I saying that right? You know, obviously if you're not familiar, it's the, it's the treatment you can be given immediately to pull your body out of overdose. Overdose. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and you know, it's, it's polarizing, right? There's a lot of people that think that it's great and think people should be trained to, to, you know, uh, administer it and that, you know, first responders should have it. And then you have the other people on the other side of the aisle, which are kind of like, you said, oh, they made a bad choice, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I, I think it's, it's been credited with saving a lot of people. And, uh, you know, personally, I'm on the side of it's a great thing and, and go for it. But what do you say to the people that are on that other side of the aisle that think that it's a waste of resources, if you will? What? I think that's hard. I know like both <laughs> both Kyle and I feel so differently and there's so much living proof in both of our communities that that's um, that's untrue, that um, people's lives have value and that uh, when you see someone on the worst day of your le- their life, you have no idea what they can go on to accomplish. And probably people that you know personally have been revived, have been admitted to psych wards, have all these other sort of bumpy histories that many of us have that uh, now look like uh, regular taxpaying citizens. Um, (laughs) So I think there's just so much evidence um, and we see it in the work we do and in the uh, the recovery community that I'm part of um, that uh, the cost of a a Narcan kit, uh, (laughs) which is negligible, uh, pays off in so many ways in terms of the lives that people lead and what they go on to give back. Yeah, for for sure. I mean, I it, to me, it it just is a no brainer. I mean, if you can save somebody's life, uh, why wouldn't you? And like like Jess said, it's it's affordable. You know, if you, if your concern is for money, it's it's very cheap. It's a very safe uh, drug. Naloxone is the generic form of the drug. It's it's been around. It's you know, if someone's not overdosing and you administer it, it's really not gonna it's not gonna harm them at all. Um, there's no side effects. Um, so why not? You know, we look at other drugs. You know, if someone uh, has a heart attack walking out of McDonald's, we don't just say, "Ah, oh, well, they really shouldn't have been at McDonald's." You know, so let's just let them lay there. There are people that would say that, though. Actually. Yeah, I mean, and, and, but it, <laughs> people are terrible. It's every every disease really has stigma. You know, if yeah. you have heart disease, people think, "Oh, you must eat unhealthy." Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have diabetes, you must have eaten too much sugar. There's a lot of myths around a lot of diseases, mm-hmm. and. Uh, with naloxone, it's it's cheap, it's safe, it's effective. Uh, why not save somebody's life? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the value of human life. Um, I just don't understand why you would not want to save someone's life, um, even if you got to do if you have to do it ten times. And I think if it was someone's family member, loved one, I don't think they would hesitate, mm-hmm. you know, to do that for them. Yeah. Um, addiction is a disease; it's a chronic brain disease and i think you know some people just don't know mm-hmm. well, you know so- they don't know that it's a disease they don't they don't know all these things about it so you know education for them might might help them out well in, in a way is that part of that's part of what this recovery walk is for right like it's, it's yes it's for the people in recovery or for the people that want to be in recovery but it's also an educational tool yeah. right so i mean there's how, how how do you think the walk helps jessica i'll start with you how do you think this walk helps people maybe find a different mindset about mm-hmm. addiction that they might not have had before yeah, so I think that's one of the things that's unique about like a public recovery celebration is that there's often, you know, there's little recovery communities and people get together in 12-step rooms or in other recovery support rooms. But um, what happens at this walk is that people, it's like a pride thing. Um, people walk out and say like, uh, this is my experience and I want to tell the world about it. Um, and so I think that there's absolutely an educational component in that, I mean, even 
even choosing to bring your bring your body and your face and your friends to a place that says um uh, I don't feel ashamed of this and it's uh, I don't I don't accept the shame that other people put on me um, and then I also think there's this really exciting element of the recovery walk which is that we're celebrating all paths to recovery um, and so uh, what is I think an often a common perception is that there's one path to recovery and that it involves a 12-step program and total abstinence. And so we're able to share stories and resources from people that have found all different sorts of paths, whether it's been with medications like methadone or buprenorphine or with um, uh, agnostic or atheist groups that they're part of or with just reducing their use to a point where it's not destructive to their lives anymore. Um, and I think that is including not only for the general public, but also for members of the recovery community that think that this is a narrow path, um, get to see the whole swath of people and learn about their experiences and what they could tap into or th what they could advise their loved ones to tap into if necessary. Um, yeah, just to see, I mean, it's, it's empowering to be able to walk down Penn Avenue with people that you know, your friends, your family, and thousands of people that you don't know, uh, just talking about recovery, you know, and, and being able to carry a sign uh, for one, for your loved one, for yourself. Um, it's just the, just the atmosphere about it, I think, is inspirational for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we do, we get people that come that aren't in recovery, that maybe want to be. Um, you know, it's really, we, it's welcoming for everybody. You don't have to have a reason. Uh, you don't have to be in recovery. Um, you don't have to be in a specific type of recovery, like Jess said. Uh, you know, I think that that all-encompassing, welcoming attitude is a big part of it. That's that's something I really like about it. Now, do you think that inclusion matters in terms of seeing people? Like I know you have Tara Connor coming, right? Former Miss America, Miss USA, Miss USA, USA. Miss USA. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I get the two confused sometimes. <laughs> <clears throat> Who is in recovery? Uh, you mentioned. Council President, <clears throat> excuse me, Bruce Carlson is in recovery. Do you think it helps people to see, I don't want to say famous people, but, you know, sure. people, public figures, let's say public figures. Do you think it's helpful to see them and go, okay, like, that, that, that's a, you know, motivating factor, it's encouraging? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's no doubt that it can be. You know, when they tell their stories, too, even if, you know, you're not a city councilman or you're not a Miss USA, uh, which I never was. <laughs> Hard to believe for those out there watching on Facebook Live. You were so close to showing up with a messy pun today, too. Oh, go on. Yeah. Uh, even if you're not that, you can still identify with parts of their story. And so I've been there. You know, I felt that same way. Uh, you see light at the end of the tunnel for yourself. If you're not happy with, with the way your life's going, you, you can see a way out of it. Yeah, and we were just talking before the show about Bethany Hallam um, and that she's – there's something sort of groundbreaking about her decision to campaign um, and talk openly about her addiction. But she also uses it as this um, sort of place to pivot to policy issues and people to um, – for Bethany Hallam to say, this is my experience in Allegheny County Jail and I think we need to see reform in that area. So I think – uh, when we see people that have leadership roles, um, it's very important that some of them have had these experiences and encountered some of the barriers that maybe I have or you have. Yeah, Bethany's great. She's, awesome. She's been on the podcast before <clears throat> um, when she was running. Mm -hmm. And yeah, she. I feel like she, at least in my recent memory, is one of the few if only candidates I've seen that wasn't just open about it, but used it as 
one of our strengths, right? Like I've been there, I've done that. I came out the other side. I know what they're up against and I'm here to tell you like we need to change things. And I, I thought that was really powerful. Um, and honestly, until <clears throat> we started talking about the walk, I didn't realize um, Bruce Cross was in recovery as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm glad to see another public figure openly embracing their, their, their journey. Um, so let's talk specifics about this walk. First of all, it's free, if, right? So anybody could do it. Mm -hmm. We've got, are you pulling up the link, Mike? There's going to be a link up here in a second. Um, why don't we get down to the nitty gritty details? So if people want to participate, how do they do it? Where do they go? And what are they going to do? Tell them, Jess. All right. Tell them, see. Jess. <laughs> see what we can do nitty gritty wise. Um, so we encourage people to register. Um, and you can register at pghrecoverywalk.org. Um Lots of people don't register, and that is fine. <laughs> See, we take it. It doesn't exactly. matter. We're very welcoming. Yeah. yeah. Come one, come all kind of events. Um, uh, if you were, if you want to, you can register a team. So if you're a family or you want to march in memory of somebody or if your organization wants to come, um, you can register your team as well. Uh, but like we say, uh, just show up, uh, whether you registered or not. Uh, the event actually starts at 9 a.m. on Saturday, September 14th, and um, we'll have a couple of prominent speakers, including Bruce Krause, um, Jennifer Smith, who's the Secretary of Drug and Alcohol Programs for the state of Pennsylvania, will be speaking, and Tara Connor as well. Uh, the whole thing is going to be emceed by Sally Wiggin, who is also in recovery, and she's just a kick every year. Um, so that will be delightful. Um, uh, when you show up, you're going to see about 50 community groups, maybe more. Um, those guys are all doing outreach for all the participants. Some of it is kind of more serious. It's about, um, uh, like, testing for HIV or Hep C or um, connecting to addiction treatment. But a lot of it is just like kind of like wellness resources. Um, there'll be free toothbrushes. Uh, there's a bounce house for kids. Kind of anything that would be potentially of interest to uh, the folks that are coming, many of whom are in recovery. Um, and then the walk starts at 1030. The walk goes through downtown. It's about a mile. Um, Tara Connor, who former Miss USA, who had a public struggle with addiction and now is a big recovery advocate, will be leading the walk. And uh, when we return, it will be uh, uh, there'll be musical performances from Clara Kent, who's a wonderful Pittsburgh-based artist, and we'll have a couple different um, uh, recovery storytellers. So uh, we're really looking forward to. Uh, hearing people's different perspectives on recovery. So. And food trucks. One of oh my, my gosh, how parts. could I forget? Yeah, I, yeah, I feel like you buried the lead there, Jessica. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the bounce house and the food trucks. Are yes. food trucks and okay. balloon animals. Yeah. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. So this is a family event, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. It's, it's about recovery and it's about celebrating recovery and helping maybe lead people that need it mm -hmm. down that path. But it's really, it's about awareness and community and family because I think you need all of those to really have recovery in the first place. Yes. Mm -hmm. People in recovery eat. Yes, we like they balloon like animals. <laughs> we like face painting. <laughs> They're just like us. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that is what you're trying to do. Break the stigma, break the walls. Mm -hmm. um, well, so yeah, if you guys have your Saturday the 14th free, please head down to the Pittsburgh Recovery Walk. And you get a free t-shirt. Oh my God. Who doesn't you, like a Kyle, free t-shirt? Kyle, you're selling us hard. So wait, we got food trucks, balloon animals, face painting, and free t-shirts. Yep. Mm -hmm. And it's for an amazing cause, which is helping people in recovery and helping people get to recovery. Um, 
and just celebrating all the great people that are still around because they found recovery. So if there's one takeaway that you guys would like to leave people with, with the walk and what you guys hope it brings to folks and brings to the community, what, what would that be? We'll, we'll end on that. Um, Give us yours first uh, so I can think about mine. uh, (laughs) um, Yeah. I just think that, um, uh, this walk will break the stigma of addiction is designed to break the stigma of addiction and the even sort of crazier stigma of recovery that if people have a history of addiction, they're not supposed to talk about it. Um, even though they've done this really amazing thing, which is found their way out of that. Um, and, uh, like fortunately, as with a lot of other stigma breaking events, it's also really, really fun and positive. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think if you if you've never been, and if you want to start out with, it's just going to be a fun time and it's free. Come on down. You know, I think uh, as other events, you know, whether it's for breast cancer or diabetes or different things, it's you know, if you've been to some of those events, you know uh, what that what they can be and how it's good to, to celebrate people uh, for that. And, and I think just come on down because it's fun. You know, we obviously want to break down the stigma and do a lot of these things, but if you've thought about coming, you've seen it, you wonder what it's about. Um, it's going to be a good time. Bring your friends, your family. Uh, I think it'll be fun for everybody. Bring your sushi Bring socks. Your, your party socks. Yeah, yeah. Party, party socks. socks I think we, are going to we be. We were talking about making that mandatory, but yeah. just, you can wear whatever socks you want. But bonus points. For yeah, party we, socks. we like to be welcoming and inclusive, so we don't want to mandate party socks. <laughs> yeah, but we would strongly encourage it. Yeah, no, absolutely no Crocs though, like that. No, I'm just <laughs> Crocs and party socks. Crocs and party socks. That's going to be the name of my next band. <laughs> um, well, so yeah, if you're watching this or listening to this, you know somebody either in recovery or that wants to start on that road to recovery. So this is definitely an event you should get out and support and get out, take your friends, take your family, support Pittsburgh Recovery Walk. Jessica and Kyle, thank you guys so much for being here today. I really appreciated it. I think it was a great conversation. Um, we'll put some links in the post for you guys when it's up. So check back for that later today. Um, thank you guys again, and y'all know where to be now, September 14th. So we'll see you guys there. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.